Hello, and thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Mall Ball Sports. Uh, sorry, I've been gone for about a month, um, but now we're ready to get back into it because we're going to jump into the thick of things because it's December and we got college football playoffs around the corner with this weekend being the conference championship games. Um, the NFL is down to its last month. The basketball season is starting to gear up in the NBA and NCAA. And Ohio State just beat Michigan for the eighth year in a row. So I think I'm going to start there. So everybody saw Ohio State beat Michigan 56-27 to on Saturday for the eighth straight year. Unfortunately, Michigan still leads in the all-time win-loss total. But that's due to them having like a 20-4 and four start back in the early 1900s. Which, who cares about back then? Ohio State dominates now. Um, and this weekend was no different. 56 points. That is two touchdowns per quarter. Very consistent. Very demoralizing. Honestly, I don't know what to feel about the Michigan program right now as it, as it sits because for so long it's, it has been a blue blood football program. As much as I hate Michigan, I mean, hate them because they're good, right? So they've been a, a blue blood program, but it's just not that anymore. And after the game, Justin Fields had some very candid comments about the rivalry. Uh, he said, in effect, that Ohio State just cares a little more about it than what Michigan does. And I myself, I, I tend to agree with that. And I have a couple few theories to that. Theory one is, well, A, Michigan is ahead of Ohio State in the all-time rankings. Uh, that is one reason. Theory two, Michigan also has two other rivals compared to Ohio State only really having just Michigan because for Michigan they have an in-state rivalry with Michigan State which of course I mean that's easy no-brainer but then they also have a rivalry with Notre Dame Um, so that's three games to get up for compared to Ohio State just circling and focusing on Michigan 24-7 365 all day every day Kids in the state of Ohio get beanies when they're born. People in the state of Ohio don't even say the name Michigan. They just call it the state up north or the team up north. Or rumors of Woody Hayes pushing a bus to Toledo or to the state line. So we want to get gas in the state of Michigan. Yeah, we're a little more serious about it, I guess. Their songs. We all know the songs. I guess I won't say them. Ohio State does just care a little more. And it's starting to show, I think, because Ryan Day said after the game that one of his coaches scouts Michigan year-round. Every single one of their games, the film is looked at. No other team is looked at that much, um, at least on the high stakes we have, than what Michigan is because that's how important the game is to the program, 
They say you could win, you could lose every single game and beat Michigan, and the season wasn't lost. And I truly believe that. But if you lose to Ohio State, if you might like lose to Michigan a few times, that's going to get you out the door. Which surprises me about Harbaugh that he's lost to Ohio State five times now. And he still has a job. But keep in mind, I had just said earlier, Ohio State's beat Michigan eight straight times. So the first three losses weren't his and weren't his fault. Um, he wasn't there to lose. And also, since 2000, Ohio State truly has dominated Michigan. Um, and so that hasn't all been his fault. And I think it's just a product of coaching and recruiting and a new focus on the program. Is I hearken back to Coach Trestle. His, the first thing he ever said, really, when he was at the Ohio State basketball game, they were introducing him to all the fans, and he's a new head football coach. And he said that Ohio State was going to beat Michigan. And he kept that promise, and we really haven't looked back ever since. <laughs> so, excellent, 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 I would say. So I'm going to break down some of the stat lines. Um, we'll start off with Michigan. So Shea Patterson had a really, really good game, honestly, going for him, and then it fell off the rails. The first half, though, Michigan was truly playing well. Um, in the first half, that's where Shea Patterson had his touchdown. Michigan was right there in the thick of things in the game. Um, but like I said, in the end, they just don't have enough horses. And you need thoroughbreds to win these kind of ball games. And Shea Patterson ended up with 18 completions out of 43 attempts for 305 yards and one touchdown and one interception. Now, the Haskins kid ran pretty well for Michigan. He had 12 rushes for 78 yards and a touchdown. Uh, another touchdown was added by Jackson and Peoples-Jones. Had a had a decent day at wide receiver with three catches for 69 yards and a touchdown himself. Um, but over on the Ohio State side, well, let's start with Justin Fields. He went 14 of 25 for 302 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, and he was knocked out the game in the second quarter. Then his first play back in the game, he throws a bomb to Garrett Wilson for uh, Wilson's lone touchdown in the game to go along with his other two catches for a total of three and 118 yards. Uh, Chris Olave had two catches for 68 yards and a touchdown, and Austin Mack and K.J. Hill each added a touchdown themselves, respectively. Um, and J.K. Dobbins put on a show, an absolute show. He ran the ball 31 times for 211 yards and four touchdowns himself. How is this man not in the Heisman contention? I don't know. Oh, because Ohio State's not in the SEC. Well, so that's that. So Ohio State's going to look forward to Wisconsin on this weekend in the Big Ten Championship game, while Michigan looks forward to waiting to see what meaningless bowl game they're going to play in this year. 
And that's all I got to say about that because, well, as we all know, Michigan sucks. And so now we're going to move on to, like I was stating, Ohio State versus Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Pretty much expect Ohio State to win this. They beat them 38-7 on my birthday, nonetheless. I expect more of the same. So there's really no point in discussing that. Even if Ohio State was to lose, they'd still be in the college football playoff. Um, now, one of the games this weekend that people will be watching is Friday, Friday night, Utah versus Oregon for the Pac-12 championship. Um, so if Utah wins, they'll put themselves in good position to move into the college football playoff if Georgia was to fall to LSU. And if Oregon wins, that disqualifies the Pac-12 from college football playoff. So I guess if I was the commissioner of the Pac-12, I'd hope Utah wins. Uh, Moving on to Saturday's games, Baylor and Oklahoma will uh, have a rematch game in which Oklahoma won earlier this season, coming back from being down 25 points. Um, We'll see if Baylor can get it done this time. Baylor and Oklahoma are ranked 7th in the college football playoff for Baylor and 6th in the college football playoff for Oklahoma. So if one of them wins, and I I suspect Utah would have to lose, and also Georgia would have to lose, then the winner of the Oklahoma versus Baylor game would more than likely be in the college football playoff. Um, moving on to other notable matchups, Cincinnati versus Memphis in the athletic, an American Athletic Conference uh, championship game. The reason why this is significant is because whomever is the highest ranking out of the non-Power 5 schools, well, non-Power 5 conferences, excuse me, gets to go to the Cotton Bowl. So it's pretty much going to be out of Cincinnati, Memphis, Boise State, and Appalachian State. One of them four. Uh, If Memphis wins, it will be Memphis. And Clemson can finally get a win against a ranked opponent. Because, well, college football playoff committee felt necessary to make the University of Virginia 23rd, although they have three losses. But they're in the ACC championship game, so kudos to them. If Clemson loses, they probably don't make the college football playoff. Um, But the matchup of the day on Saturday is going to be Georgia versus LSU. So currently, LSU is number two in the college football playoff ranking, and Georgia is number four. If Georgia wins, they're for sure in the college football playoff. Um, LSU will still be in even with the loss. And I would predict that if Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia won, the ranking would be Ohio State at one, Clemson at two, Georgia at three, and LSU at four. Um, and the reason for that would be because since LSU lost, I mean, they still would be in the college football playoff, but then they would be the fourth seed. 
And so that's not what I'm hoping for. Hopefully, LSU beats Georgia in a nail-biter. Ohio State dominates Wisconsin. So Ohio State can be number one. Uh, LSU stay at number two. Clemson stay at number three. And Utah, Baylor, or Oklahoma, I, I could care less, be at number four. Team I hope Ohio State stays away from, honestly, is Clemson. Why do you ask? Ohio State has never beat Clemson. If you recall, Woody Hayes punched a kid from Clemson in a bowl game, and then that led to him being fired. If you recall, Sammy Watkins dominated Ohio State, preventing them from winning a college football championship. So, Clemson is Ohio State's thorn. And I like roses. I like to stick a, stay away from the thorns. No need for the pricklies. So, as I've discussed so far with the college football playoff ranking, number one is Ohio State. Number two is LSU. Clemson's number three. Georgia's number four. Waiting in the wings is Utah at number five. Oklahoma at number six. Baylor at number seven. And rounding out the top 10 is Wisconsin, Florida, and Penn State, respectively. So, if you wonder, even though there's clearly SEC bias, why is Ohio State over LSU right now? Well, Ohio State has two wins against teams ranked in the top 10 of the college football playoff right now as we speak. That being Wisconsin at 8 and Penn State at 10, with Ohio State having the ability to beat Penn, uh, Wisconsin again, making that three wins versus teams in the uh, top 10 in college football playoff rankings. So we'll see after this weekend who wins and where we'll all end up with in regards to the college football playoff games. And then also the other uh, New Year's Eve game, New Year's Day games as well. Now, we're going to move over to the NFL. Um, Most of you guys know I'm a Browns fan. Last 20 years has been painful. One playoff appearance. Haven't had a winning season since 2007. Went 10-6 and six and still missed the playoffs nonetheless. But honestly, that's, that's not even the worst part about the Browns in the last 20 years. Two things really stick out to me. One, the fact that the Steelers are a supposed rival. And haven't been able to win in Pittsburgh since 2003. With this being 2016, that's been like 16 tries, and they haven't been able to get it done. It's honestly just its an anomaly. You would think just out of pure luck, you'd win one. Just play them so often. But that's not the case. And this weekend, it was not the case again. Losing to a quarterback who is a professional duck caller. I I can't even comprehend that. But I guess to dive into the game, first off, 
I'm going to start off with questioning Freddie Kitchens and his play calling. I mean, my goodness. Why are we only running the ball 41% of the time when, especially at the end of the first half, Baker Mayfield was knocked out the game because when he had a, a long, deep pass, his follow-through, hit a guy's helmet, and he had to come out the game. So you would think in the second half, okay, yeah, you're down 10. That's really not much, though. You got 30 minutes to play. You'd hand the ball off. But, no, Nick Chubb only got six carries in the second half. Kareem Hunt got no carries in the second half. I don't understand why take all that fleck and sign a guy, and you know the media would be against you and fans on social media and what have you, but then you did it anyway. And then you, in the most important game of your season, you don't use them. Just makes no sense to me. Uh, the first half, when the Browns were playing well, they are getting the running backs involved. They were up 10 nothing. But, like always, Freddie Kitchens decides, well, let's try to force the ball to Odell when he's double teamed. Gets us nowhere. Or Throw the ball long down the field to Jarvis Landry, although he's a possession wide receiver. So that too gets nowhere. But hey, let's try anyway. Let's force square pegs in the round holes. I guess eventually you'll get them to work. But we don't have time for eventually. Honestly, Freddie Kitchens needs to go, but I'm I don't want to get too involved in that because it's just going to upset me extremely very much so so I'm going to move on um but rushing the ball only 41% in a game really just doesn't make much sense when you have two running backs capable of being pro bowlers year in and year out if it was me I'd be in two back all game two back uh, shotgun set and they would be guessing who's going to get the ball. Uh, one guy would be getting it, and the other guy would be lead blocking. But that's just me. And now it looks like the Browns are going to miss playoffs yet again because, well, their play calling was inept on Sunday. Simple as that. The defense did their job even without – Miles Garrett. I mean, they held the team to 20 points. And a lot of that sometimes really does be the offense's fault. Because the defense was able to get a turnover. Got the ball back to the offense. Offense takes a shot, which I'm okay with them taking a shot after a turnover. A lot of teams do that. Don't get me wrong. But why are we throwing long passes to Landry when he's a possession wide receiver? It'd be one thing if we threw a, a deep ball to Odell. But if we still had Callaway, who was a deep ball threat, we threw it to him. But no, we want to throw it to a possession guy. Really makes no sense. I just, I don't get it. And then they went three and out, and well, that was a ball game. No more contention because they don't want to run the football. I'm sick of saying it doesn't make any sense, but a lot of things they do nowadays don't make any sense. And something that they did this week that really I just... It's just purely grotesque. Uh, defensive lineman Chris Smith 
lost his fiance and mother of his um, of his baby in a car accident earlier in the season. And this week, the Browns decided to cut the man. Now, if he had asked to be released so he could spend time with his daughter, you know, being a single father, blase skip, cool, perfect. But that's not the case. And the defensive line is already thin since we are without Miles Garrett for the remainder of the season. Olivia Vernon has been and Sheldon Richardson been sidelined with injuries this season. Cutting him schematically didn't make much sense, let alone people-wise. I don't know what's going on over there in Berea, but they need to get their act together. So we're going to move on in the NFL to this week. Um, This week's Thursday night matchup is the Cowboys at the Bears. And the Cowboys are three-point favorites, and the over-under is 43.5. Um, if I was a betting man, which I am, I'd put money down. I wouldn't bet on this game. Never bet with road favorites. And Mitch Trubisky, I don't trust him enough to put my money with him. But the over under 43 and a half seems like a whole lot of points from a, co- a team coached by Jason Garrett and quarterbacked by Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, So, I guess we can just watch this one for our enjoyment. So, I just want to take this time just to to do a little thinking out about free agency coming up. Um, And I saw an article on ESPN. It made me kind of think of this. Uh, Primarily, the situation down in New Orleans. So... Right now, Drew Brees, of course, is the quarterback. But this year, his contract's up. He'll be 40. Who knows if he's going to retire or if he's going to come back for another season. I guess that will be step one that needs to be answered. Because then the other question is, what's going to happen to Teddy? So Teddy Bridgewater is one of my favorite college football players of all time. I followed him while he was at Louisville. I was super excited when he was drafted in the first round by the Vikings. I was super saddened uh, when he had his gruesome knee injury. Then I was super excited again for him to be in a great situation, landing with the Saints. Um, And he's been able to be Drew Brees' backup. And this season, when he had to come in and play, he led them to a 5-0 record, clearly showing that he is able to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I hope somebody gives him a chance. If Drew Brees comes back, it probably won't be in New Orleans, but perhaps somewhere else, maybe Tennessee, because Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota, neither one of them really moved the needle. Maybe in Jacksonville. But although I think uh, Minishu, that should be his job, really, in my opinion. Uh, perhaps maybe with the Bucks, we'll see what they do with famous Jameis. Um, if John Elway wasn't the prick that he is, I would say Denver, but we know that's not going to happen. So, but although they do need a quarterback, oh, and there's also 
Miami, but I think they're going to be high enough in the draft to get Justin Herbert. So I, they'll probably just take him. So that's that. So I don't, I don't know. I just really hope Teddy lands somewhere where he has a real opportunity at being a starter. It was up to me. Well, another place I would say up there at Soldier Field, he could replace Mitchell Trubisky. I think their skill set is similar, but I think Teddy will make better decisions, and that would lead to more first downs and the Bears' defense being less tired and ultimately them winning more ball games. Uh, another thing I would like to think about is to start uh, permeating ideas and thoughts about the upcoming drafts. Now, with it being December, some mocks are coming out. Uh, most mocks currently have Joe Burrow going number one to the Cincinnati Bengals and barring Mike Brown's history of being a cheapo and only caring about dollars. A kid from two hours away will for hundred percent put seats and chairs and sell out that stadium. So Joe Burrow will be the first pick in the draft. That's easy. Who knows what's gonna happen to Andy Downton, but I think his time is up there in Cincinnati. So, with that, I would like to thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast episode. Um, Like always, please do me a favor and tell some people that you know about it. um, And do yourself a favor and tell a stranger you know about it. And one more little tidbit. With this being the holiday season, do your best to uh, put a little change in the Salvation Army jars. Um, Salvation Army does do great work in this country and this is their biggest time that people give to them throughout the year so let's all do our parts for each other so thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you guys again next week take care